station. Radio. The following radio show takes place between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Events occur in fake time. Wrong. Alright, welcome everybody. Good evening. It is Monday, May 17th, 2021, and it is yet another edition of Simulation Radio Live. We are going into week two. It is officially week two of the show, and it only took getting on to week two for me to consider taking the day off today because I think I got a little bit of a uh, little bit of food poisoning. I made chicken parmesan earlier today. Which, I'm not going to lie, chicken's supposed to be the easiest thing to cook. You put it in the pan, you know, you cook it on both sides for a few minutes, bada bing, bada boom. It's supposed to be as easy as it could possibly be. But then you get a little little taste in there that might make it seem like, oh shit, I, am, uh, I might be eating raw chicken. So, if there was ever a day that I would have run best of, it was always, or it was almost going to be today, on, on week two of the show. But you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna brave it out here. I'm I'm just a real martyr, real trooper, sitting here doing this broadcast, sitting here not doing anything besides doing a broadcast. But that that's what we're gonna do today. So if I die in the middle of the show, then just bury my dead body somewhere. Just make sure that it goes viral at least. Uh, I, I can see the headlines now. Florida man radio host perishes on the air and just ooh, just make that happen, people, if that's if that's uh, if that's the destiny that has to happen today. So what happened was I'm a little bit distracted right now. Again, for the fourth day of simulation radio live in a row, I've just got a lot going on right now. There's a lot in my head. So what I had to do before the show today was I went out to go take a drive. I went to go get Another one of these fucking vapes because they're so addicting. Went out to get one of those, and I've been noticing something that I really hope starts to wear off here because, look, the CDC has officially passed down the ruling that, look, if you're vaccinated, if you've got all your ducks in a row, then, look, you don't need to wear a mask anymore. And the amount of people that I saw wearing their masks in their cars today is just absolutely ridiculous. Between that and driving around this weekend. I don't know what it is. It seems like after the CDC put out their guidelines that you don't have to wear masks anymore, more people are wearing masks in their cars, and it's already stupid that people are wearing masks in inside of their cars, even when, even in the height of, uh, of mask heyday. Already was pretty stupid that people were wearing masks in their cars. Now, now that they have the freedom not to, look, now that you have just all of the freedom... <laughs> 
to not wear a mask anymore, that's when you've just decided that, you know what, I really, I just, I need to wear a mask in the car. I don't know. I can't give people that much crap about it because, look, maybe wearing your mask is comfortable. And also, maybe you just don't want to display your facial expressions to uh, to random people that you're cutting off in traffic, at least around here in Florida. Uh, they're just especially terrible. But I can I can kind of understand. But at the same time, all right, buddy, it might be time to might be time to take your mask off. And it's people that look like and I can only tell through their eyes, but you can look at somebody's eyes and you can see, all right, you live in complete fear of any possible uh, any possible thing that could happen in your life. And look, we're open, baby. We're open. This is not how you have to operate anymore. You do not have to drive around being afraid of literally everything. That's that's just not how it's going to work. So I want to start off a little bit by talking about this story that came out of DeLand today. Because there was a skydiver. There's a center in DeLand. There's actually a whole field that you can go out to. It's it's not near downtown DeLand, but it's in uh, it's in the DeLand area near near the high school over there, which happens to be where I went to high school. And I've actually been to this this skydiving location actually because it was it's near the Deland airport and because they have such a, a wide amount of space out there they've actually opened up it's this whole skydiving center where you can go uh, one of my friends in high school his graduation present was to get to go skydiving and I went with him to go watch and it was actually kind of an interesting experience unfortunately you don't expect something like this to happen when you know what i gotta let me flip my phone over so that i do am not distracted by notifications in the middle of the show if you're at one of those places then it's kind of an experience you get to go you get to sit down at a little bar have some drinks there's a restaurant there too all while you're watching people just hey they're up there they're skydiving they're coming down and i can only imagine the amount of chaos that could happen in a situation where let's say maybe you're chilling at the the skydiving location, let's say you're chilling there, and you just see two people up, they're coming down, they're coming down out of the sky, they're flying with their little parachutes, and then all of a sudden, smash, right into each other. These two people that were skydiving in Deland, both of them with open parachutes, collided mid-air at around 9.58 this morning, with their parachutes open, Witnesses told authorities that one of the skydivers was able to regain control of their parachute, but the other, after the collision, they weren't able to get it open. So the two skydivers collapse. I guess the the parachutes that were supposed to be open on both of them, one of them just stopped working. One of them, just that guy, plummeted to the ground. The other one was able to make it. God knows how. I'm pretty sure that if two people collide midair, you're just fucked because the parachute gets out of balance you're fucking bobbling around up there like a rag doll and it doesn't sound like a situation that's desirable for anybody authorities said that the man landed hard in the parking lot and was found unresponsive and despite the fact that witnesses tried to help him they were unsuccessful the identity of the skydiver has not been released at this time and that kind of makes me want to not skydive anymore. Also, another thing that you have to think about here, because when you go skydiving, 
Uh, not a lot of people might know this in case you've never been skydiving before, but in case you haven't, how it works is they have rules there where if you're a first-time skydiver, you're not skydiving by yourself. It's not like you're going to go there. They're going to get they're going to make you watch like a 20-minute instructional video on how to do this yourself and how to push all the levers and do all the fucking parachute things. They're not going to show you that and they're not going to just send you up to the sky in an airplane and just let you drop down on your own after after one time. What actually happens is your first couple times until you take like some sort of professional class or I don't know if you have to get professionally certified for it, but how it works is you actually have to skydive with somebody. You have to do a tandem skydive is what it's called. And you kind of strap yourself next to the other person. The other person, the professional, does all of the work for you. You don't actually have to do anything besides just sit there and try and enjoy the experience. And your other person, the professional that's there with you, is taking care of all the levers and the parachute things and making sure that you don't fall to the ground and fucking die. They're just trying to make sure of that. And... That leads me to believe that these two parachutists were people that had experienced skydiving on their own. Because the article noted in the story that both of these people were parachuting individually. So that must have meant that these were two people, either professionals or they were people that have already gone along the process so fast or fast enough to where... Maybe not even fast, but experienced enough to where, okay, now we've got the experience... Now we can actually go skydiving on our own. And now that we're skydiving on our own, bam, crash right into each other. One guy fucking dies. And this all happened out there in DeLand this morning. So be careful out there if you're skydiving. I know it's a very fun chasing the dragon sort of experience. And it there's nothing like it. But just try not to ram jam your fucking parachute into, you know another skydiver just try that see how it works out and hopefully we can just keep everybody alive for the time being so as an ongoing radio show that is uh keeping track of things we're following the news we're following the narrative of the world and if you're following that then one of the stories in fact i'm gonna do some follow-up for a couple of stories that we talked about last week because there have been some updates on both the Houston Tiger case and there's another interesting look at the Brood X cicada uprising. We heard about it last week. In the 17-year cycle, cicadas are rising out of the ground in this stretch from Tennessee to New York where the soil's nice and thick and juicy and wet and the cicadas have been living under there for God fucking knows how long. We're still waiting on that. We're still waiting on the cicadas to start rising up. I saw a couple of stories this weekend about how people who are anticipating the cicadas, for instance, like restaurants that had to close down, they're very heavily anticipating the, the rise of the cicadas. And there's a piece of information here that might help us determine exactly how damaging the cicada swarm, this brood X, is going to be. And... You might have heard of this scientific phenomenon because it goes viral whenever it makes the news. There's this scientific phenomenon about this fungus, this plant that insects eat and it infects the insect's brain and it turns them essentially into walking zombie insects. And psychedelic drugs could be the cause of the brain 
mutations and morphings of the cicadas because a fungus laced with the same chemical as psychedelic mushrooms is present under the ground as well that scientists have discovered recently. And it'll invade the cicadas' bodies, eat away their insides until their abdomens crack, fall off, and get replaced with a ball of white spores. So, in Indiana at least, where they did this study, it's causing the cicadas' asses to fall right off their fucking bodies, and the cicadas don't realize this because they're insects and they have no souls. A cicada expert and chair of biology at George Washington University said, really what they're doing is spreading these spores all over the place. It's the sexually transmitted fungus. It's called Massospora cicadina. Cicadina? I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert on pronunciation. As we've clearly found out on the show, what happens is it affects males and females. So this, this Massospora fungus will infect males and females, but what happens is it lays all of the mating that they're doing to waste because the purpose of what the cicadas are doing by coming out of the ground, they're essentially, they're just popping out of the ground to find mates. They're doing their little bug songs. The females are coming. But the problem is, is that once their ass falls off, the males and females are not distinguishable from each other. And because the fact the cicadas do not care necessarily about any of this stuff because the cicadas don't care it's going to cause males and females to do the singing and flapping their wings process that's usually reserved for the males in order to attract females but the brain rotting fungus which is actually turning into an ass rotting fungus on the cicadas at least it's causing their wings to flicker and spread all the spores of this fungus out and around all the areas so it might be a little bit damaging to the cicadas, and it might curb some of the uh, the issues that people might be having with the cicada uprising, because a lot of people are afraid. And while the cicadas mean no harm to humans, it does cause, for instance, I heard of some like outdoor patio restaurant type areas that are going to have to close down because of the possibility of cicadas rising. Now, another question that you might have, because we've all heard stories, I'm sure, of insects becoming delicacies in certain places, or people just deciding, you know what, I want to fucking, I want to shove bugs in my mouth and see what happens there. You're probably wondering, can I eat these cicadas and get high? Because to humans, this fungus is actually an offshoot of psychedelic mushrooms. It's an offshoot of the psilocybin that is in psychedelic mushrooms. This just so happens to have a different adverse effect on the cicadas than it would on us. And if you have that question of if I can get high from this, can I can I eat some cicadas and have a nice little trip? Unfortunately, the answer to that is probably no, at least unless you eat a lot of them. Because what happens is, the drug gets stored up in the husks of the cicadas, and they actually molt those husks while, you know, in the middle of their cicada existence process. And for the, as the bugs are eaten, they're actually eaten with those husks taken off. Like people that eat the cicadas as delicacies, they'll take off the husks. And unfortunately, 
if you're trying to eat a cicada and get high, it probably will not be the part that has the husk on it, which that's where all the that's where all the juicy stuff is. That's where all the uh, the good times are happening. So just keep a lookout. If you see cicadas out there rising up out of the ground and acting a little suspiciously, then they might just be on a really good trip or they might be on a really bad trip because it's going to make the cicadas asses fall off. So just be aware of that. If in case you see any cicadas out there and you really need to know exactly what's going on with the cicadas, then you know what? Now, you know, another follow up from last week is the Houston tiger story that went viral because in a Houston upscale neighborhood, a tiger, a nine month old tiger went missing. It was named India and it got loose in one of the upscale neighborhoods in in Houston, and the story went viral. And there is an update on that, which is that the tiger, fortunately, hey, hey no, not in here. You weren't. I get you were found, but no, you need to get out of the studio. The tiger was named India, and it will be transported to the Cleveland. Amory Black Beauty Ranch in Texas. It's also home to another tiger that went viral a couple of years ago. A tiger named Loki, who also just so happened to be roaming around the Houston area. I don't know what you're doing over there, people in Houston, but you really got to get this tiger situation figured out. Apparently, India will also have its own habitat with about half an acre of land, which will include a wooded area and a pool. And I've, I've got the got the story up here. I have the director talking about this. I will let me let me put this story up on the screen here. Because we there's some background. Oh, look at that tiger. Look at India. Hey. Uh, we are happy to take India hey. uh, back home to Black Beauty where he will be introduced into a half acre. This is Noel Almrud, the senior director cool of the Cleveland Tiger Directory. A proper nutritious diet. Our goal is to provide him the best quality of life for the rest of his life. Also, I'm using the wrong show. We hope that he will spend the rest of his life at Black Beauty. We are staunch supporters of the Big Cat Public Safety Act, which would limit private ownership and public contact with these dangerous animals. These animals, he looks so restless in there. Poor thing. You cannot tame a tiger just by raising them from a baby. It takes thousands of years to domesticate a species. You're not going to domesticate a tiger. And so while he is playful at this age as an adult, he can be deadly. And so it's our goal to not have these Of course he's deadly. Do not he's a fucking tiger. Of course he's deadly. Of course he's going to run up to you and fucking maul you in the face. Especially if you tried to steal him and privately own him when he's just... He's just a tiger, man. He is not meant to be owned. He is meant to roam free in the jungles or wherever tigers live. I'm sure they live in a lot of places, and I'm far from a tiger expert. But one of the interesting conversations that came up with this story, which I'm surprised didn't come up when Tiger King came out, was the private ownership question of tigers. Now, Tigers are not allowed, actually, in the city of Houston, to give a little bit of a background on this. But apparently, they are legal in the surrounding Harris County area if they're if and only if they're properly registered under a strict set of rules and safety guidelines, including holding $100,000 in animal insurance and keeping the tiger secured at least 1,000 feet from another home or school or a child care center. 
Texas law allows private ownership of tigers and other dangerous wild animals, but applicants must register with their local sheriff, file paperwork with the state, and follow strict caging requirements. And that brings the question into light here, which is that, uh, is this even the right thing to be doing? I really do not think that people should be privately owning tigers, and I'm surprised that this it took a viral situation like this of a tiger being let loose in a fucking neighborhood to have this question pop up. And it's a shame that this is how it has to happen. And the Black Beauty Ranch is run by the Humane Society, the Black Beauty Ranch, which is where India the tiger will be going, and it's publicly supported the Big Cat Public Safety Act, but it's pending le legislation that would limit private ownership of the animals. So as this stuff moves through the through the Texas Chamber of Commerce or however, whatever stage of the process it is along to get that done, then a lot of this stuff, a lot of the support by these various organizations is drawn together, excuse me, by this potential legislation. And this legislation, I don't know much about it, obviously just based on the headlines, but it seems like it's the right way to go. I really do not think that people should be privately owning tigers, especially if you're one of those people, because most people, private owners, are not experts in this, right? And you kind of need to be an expert to own an exotic animal like that. They require very specific needs. And you just do not have the the means to be providing for an animal like this, especially when I think tigers are dangerous or not dangerous. I think tigers are dangerous. I think tigers are endangered. Right. So that would mean especially that would mean that it's important that nobody's privately owning tigers, especially people that do not have the means for them, such as uh, Victor Hugo Cuevas, who was arrested last Monday for stealing the tiger and trying to run off with it so buddy you're gonna have to figure that out that is uh fortunately he's been arrested and we'll have plenty of time to figure this out at jail so i teased this leading up to the show today if you saw any of the teasers on social media then you've probably heard the new music from j cole now apparently it's been out for about six days and yeah, days after his sixth studio sixth studio album was released, J. Cole is entering another profession, and you're going to want to hear about this if you're a J. Cole fan, because I feel like the people that are J. Cole fans, this story is only going to make them a, even more of a J. Cole fan, because he decided, you know what? Making music is not enough for me. I played some basketball in high school. I was a little bit familiar with it, but ultimately, since J. Cole took on the more musical aspect of his career. He went down the music path rather than the basketball path. And he's in a position now to where he can play basketball if he wants to. And he decided to do that over in Africa because Africa, they have a professional basketball league and he made his professional basketball debut with the Rwanda Patriots basketball club in the basketball Africa league, the, the ball, the B-A-L the Ball Ball League. In his first action, he scored three points, secured three rebounds, and dished out a pair of assists in the 17 minutes that he played. So what happened was, at the end of the first quarter, they decided, all right, let's put J. Cole in, let's give him some time. And especially if you're trying to, to train up a rookie talent like that, isn't that how most sports teams kind of handle giving 
players like that playtime is you don't want to give them the full brunt of the game experience, but you want them to get some face time, get some time on the court, maybe score a few baskets, get some stats up there. And that's what he did here because the Rwanda Patriots did end up defeating Nigeria's Rivers Hoopers 83 to 60 in a game that was actually broadcast here on TV in the U.S. And J. Cole did come off the bench in the final minute of the opening quarter. So they let him out in the first quarter, let him go play some basketball, and then he played most of the the next quarter as well. There are some highlights here, too, from J. Cole's basketball experience. He has, he has a record in Africa. Oh, there he is. In Got there. That was that one assist. So... In the second quarter, he also converted a technical free throw for his third point of the game. So it looks like J. Cole hit a... He did a ton of things over there. He was... I don't want to say he was average, but it seems like he did okay. He put up some decent stats, had a fairly solid performance in the game, and apparently he's also a good teammate, too. He was not only able to secure the ball himself, but also he had solid synergy with his teammates, being able to... to pass fairly often, get assists from other players in the game. Now, it's expected that he'll be playing three to six games for the Patriots. So this was his first one. It obviously goes viral because what? J. Cole playing basketball? Seems seems natural that a story like this would go viral. J. Cole actually has a history of being a basketball player. He was a star at Stanford High School in North Carolina growing up and even playing on the basketball team. He never played in one of those games. He was just part of, he was on the team just to be part of practice. So he never played an actual game. And instead, he decided to, to focus on his music career. He had a chance in 2020, though, because the Detroit Pistons offered him a tryout after he posted a video of himself, you know, shooting some basketballs. And I guess that's enough if you're already up in the, uh, in the upper echelon of famous and notable people. Then... I guess that's enough to to have a trial or have a tryout for an actual basketball team. So J. Cole, he is making waves not just in music, but he is also making waves in African basketball. So when we come back, I've got a, li a little bit of uh, backup stories from last week that we'll get to. Starbucks could potentially be quitting Facebook. Plus, South Carolina has signed a new law stating that inmates must choose if they're on death row, you got to choose. Do you want the firing squad or do you want the electric chair? And that's a tough choice that South Carolina inmates are about to face. Plus, a main police chief got busted and he's not going to be able to be hired by law enforcement anymore. But he had a very interesting way to get out of a, a morning precinct meeting. And we'll hear about that as well when we come back. a lie everybody i know that 
lies that are easy to swallow, look, you just take them. Especially when it's a situation like, you know, you don't know it's in hot dogs. Like, you're just better off not knowing about that, okay? Just like you're better off not knowing about the man who invented Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Now, it may not have been the man who actually invented Flamin' Hot Cheetos. The problem with that is that the person who claimed to have invented Flamin' Hot Cheetos went on to make a career about it. He gave public sermons, not public sermons, but he gave uh, private talks, private conversations with people, even had appearances telling stories at like Target, Walmart, Harvard, places like that. The only problem with that is that uh, it was all a lie, everybody. It was all a lie all along the guy that claimed that he invented Flamin' Hot Cheetos. And it was a striking story. The reason that a lot of people believe this story is because it was so inspirational. The man's name was Richard Montañez, and he'd, he's been telling the story for years about how he invented Flamin' Hot Cheetos. And the story goes like this. He was working as a janitor for Frito-Lays, which is the, the company that develops Cheetos. You know, how all the the chip companies are all basically owned by, like, two of them. And he was working as a janitor there, but he just so brilliantly got the idea one day. The, the wheels were spinning in his head, and he thought, you know what? I think there really needs to be a chili-covered Cheeto. And he believed in himself so strong and so hard that he decided to call up the CEO to pitch his idea. And that was the official story that was told by him. And it was the story that kind of caught on to the narrative of what happened with Flamin' Hot Cheetos. It went viral. Well, it went about as viral as things can go in the 90s. But it went viral, quote-unquote. And that story became the defining picture of how Flamin' Hot Cheetos was made. And the problem with that, and this story came out recently this week, it uh, essentially is a look by Frito-Lays at this whole story and figuring out the narrative of what's going on here. And Frito-Lays said, wait a minute, no, that doesn't quite sound like what happened. Unfortunately, Montañez has already built a lucrative second career out of telling the story, and he commands fees of between 10 grand and 50 grand per appearance to tell this story. Now, I know that the point of his inspirational story was to, it's a rags to riches, how I went from janitor to a market manager pitching ideas and went to essentially being from janitor to corporate executive. It's meant to be an inspirational take. I'm sure Frito-Lay did not have any issue with that, especially because it kind of painted their company in a little bit of a in a little bit of a positive light here. You're not going to question that, especially if somebody that is very heavily in the news, somebody who's really heavily part of the narrative and it generates positive publicity for you, you're probably just going to let that slide until you're called out for it. And you have to just admit that uh, it didn't quite play out that way. Frito-Lays wrote in a statement, quote, None of our records show that Richard was involved in any capacity in the Flamin' Hot test market. We have interviewed multiple personnel who were involved in that test market, and all of them indicate that Richard was not involved in any capacity in the test market. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't celebrate Richard, according to the statement, but the facts just don't support the urban legend. And... 
this guy took that urban legend and essentially made a whole career out of it. He's got speaking gigs. He's got plenty of opportunities to tell his rags to riches story. He even wrote a book, two books. His second one is coming out soon called Flamin' Hot, The Incredible True Story of One Man's Rise from Janitor to to Top Executive. So that's the marketing behind this story. That is the marketing ploy that's happening here is this guy just decides that, you know what? I got something to work with here. Unfortunately, it is a lie. And this the... To go into the story behind this a little bit, he began taking public credit for inventing Flamin' Hots in the, the 2000s, which is nearly two decades after after they were invented. He saw an opening in a story and thought, you know what, I, I could get there. I could get that. First, he talked about it in speeches at local businesses and philanthropy award ceremonies. Then, when once online started to, to come into play here, hungry for a feel-good story, he took his claims viral, and all, the story went viral. And at that point... It's so big that you can't really crash on this parade. And honestly, even though this story broke out, the lie of the flaming Hot Cheetos, it's all a lie. Despite the fact that it's all a lie, it's still probably not going to make that many waves. But you know what? Now you know. Now you guys out there know that flaming Hot Cheetos was a lie. Now, Richard Montañez thought that he would get away with this because nobody at Frito-Lay stopped him. I'm sure he knew that his version of the story is not quite how it happened here. Nobody at Frito-Lay stopped him, and most of the original Flamin' Hot team had retired by, you know, the 2000s. So all the people that were part of this project, they retired. They're probably not going to call me out in any capacity. So let me just, uh, let me just run with this story. So if there's one thing that anybody learns from the show tonight, it's that all those Flamin' Hot Cheetos that you eat, it was all alive. And now I am not Kent Brockman, but this is I on social media. You know, there's a lot of things that you do if you're charged with drug paraphernalia. There's a lot of things that might define you as a person if you're somebody that could potentially be charged with drug paraphernalia. Most notably, sometimes nothing, because sometimes people just get caught in drug paraphernalia charges where they don't necessarily agree with it. However, if you get strung up on a drug paraphernalia charge, and if you just so happen to be put in that hypothetical situation where you're on a Zoom meeting court hearing, then one of the things that you should probably make sure is all set before you go into this court meeting is to make sure that your Zoom username is properly set. And one man just did not get that message. That man was Nathan Saxeon in Michigan. He was being tried by St. Joseph County Judge Jeffrey Middleton and... In this court proceeding, unfortunately, Mr. Nathan Saxon, Saxon, S-A-X-A-O-N, I, there's no fucking way anybody could possibly pronounce that name first try. Just try it. See what happens. The unfortunate thing that he decided to do was he decided 
that when I go to this court Zoom meeting, this court hearing procession, that, whoops, my name just so happened to be Buttfucker3000, and I'm not going to change that. So, yeah, let me just let me just click on this Zoom meeting, get it, get right into it, and, oh, shit, whoops, I'm Buttfucker3000. Unfortunately, the St. Joseph County Judge Jeffrey Middleton was not happy with this man's Zoom name, and his response to that went viral, and I'm going to play that for you right here. Good morning, sir. What's your name? <laughs> He's asking Buttfucker3000. Yeah, you. Yes. Nathaniel Saxon, sir. Oh, Saxon. Your name's not Buttfucker3000, you yo-ho. You yo-ho? to my court with that as your screen name. He later booted Saxon from the hearing and told him that he could just wait in the lobby. And that's probably not a good idea if you're the one that's on trial. You probably do not want to be sitting in the lobby of the Zoom meeting at your drug paraphernalia uh, trial. Why would this that in a little bit? Uh, what kind of idiot logs into court like that? What are you doing, What's buddy? What's your name again? Nathaniel Saxton, sir, but I don't... I don't recall. I don't recall ever having that. that name. I typed anything like that in. Well, that's what it says. Yeah, it's clear. It's right there. Clear as day. You should. I'll put you in the waiting room. You can sit in limbo for a while and think about think what about you've done. What you call yourself online. You're in timeout, buddy. <laughs> See, um, everybody else. See, at, as soon as that guy gets booted from the room, one of the other attorneys or one of the other people that are participating in this trial, they just burst out into laughter. And honestly, it's kind of hard not to. If you're in, no matter how serious of a situation you're in, and boy, am I guilty of this a lot, no matter how serious of a situation you're in, I'll always find a way to try and crack a joke or try and make it funny or try to uh, just to try and lighten the mood a little bit. Because it, it's really uncomfortable for me to be in ridiculously serious situations. I just I don't I don't like it. There's got to be some sort of levity to a lot of a lot of things. And this particular instance might just be going a little too far. And unfortunately, Mister Mister Saxon was booted for his buttfucker three thousand name. And I'm sorry, buddy, but I'm not saying that somebody that's being charged with drug paraphernalia would not be using the name buttfucker 3000 there's there's a just a little bit of a correlation there between somebody that could be on trial for drug paraphernalia and somebody that would name themselves buttfucker 3000 i'm just saying the venn diagram once again lines up a little bit here on those two things so a lesson make sure that your name is set in zoom meetings especially now where literally everything is done through a fucking zoom meeting just try not to make your name buttfucker 3000 that's all you got to do it's not that hard and it's probably in your best interests as well because uh look the only time i've ever gone to court was for traffic court and look, you go in there with a professional demeanor, you go in there, you're serious as fuck, you've taken care of all your stuff in order to, you know, maybe have it taken care of, 
and they'll treat you with a little bit of uh, with a little bit more leeway than they might have if you go in there being called buttfucker 3000. So just don't do it. Just don't do it. There's a woman in Norwalk. Let's see. What what state is this? It's a Norwalk gas station. This comes out of KTLA in Los Angeles. So this comes out of Los Angeles. And this mystery woman bought a $26 million lottery ticket nearly six months ago. And this is such a shame. I want to know what you guys out there would would do in this situation, just how crushed you would be. Because imagine you win a $26 million lottery ticket and, oh, whoopsies, I put it through the wash. I put it. I put my $26 million lottery ticket right through the fucking water. It might as well have fallen in the toilet at this point. Now, she is not going to be able to claim her $26 million lottery ticket because she had until the end of the day on... Friday of last week to claim the prize, which was purchased for the November 14th of 2020 drawing. So that makes about that makes sense, right? You get six months from when the lottery drawing is announced to when uh, to when you have to cash it in. And this happened nearly six months ago. She put the ticket in the laundry and it was destroyed. The store's manager said surveillance video shows the individual who purchased the ticket and she's actually a regular. So the store owners or the store employees, they know this woman. She goes in regularly and that's not completely unheard of because look, there are a lot of people that, that come into the the supermarket all the time and I see them all the time and you know them as regulars. And so this woman must have been a regular at this AMPM. She recently went into that store, said she bought the ticket, put it in her pocket, and then laundered that very valuable slip of paper, ultimately destroying it, which is just such a shame. When the manager suggested that the woman talk to waiting reporters who were hoping to identify and interview the winner, the woman declined. So this woman does not want to be publicly known at all. She does not want her story to be out there. All she wants is her $26 million lottery ticket. And there are some complications that come up in this story as well. Because a copy of the surveillance video was turned over to California lottery officials so that they could maybe appeal this. Look, let's send the video to maybe prove that I own this ticket. Then I can somehow get the $26 million. But the store recorded over the original version and they no longer have the footage. Unfortunately, they only had a copy and the copy was not enough to to prove it. And regardless of that, Surveillance video would not even have been enough to verify this as a winning lottery ticket. Officials said that if a winner loses the ticket, they have to provide substantial evidence that they owned it, such as a photocopy or a photo of it of the front and back of the ticket. And I would assume that you have to endorse the ticket, too, which because there's actually a place on the back of lottery ticket so you can sign it and endorse it kind of like the back of a check. So that didn't happen. This woman will be twenty six million dollars broker. Sadly, because just imagine that. I almost can't. You, you, you're just this close. You're this close to $26 million, and you just fl- you flush your fucking lottery ticket down the drain. Come on, lady. Come on, lady. Finally, in Eye on Social Media, we have a woman that went viral on Instagram in a desperate attempt to make her ex-boyfriend jealous. There was this woman in Germany, a 24-year-old Sarah Villard, who faked an elaborate wedding to get revenge on an old ex-boyfriend. And this sounds kind of petty to me, and I want to know what you think after we talk about this story. How petty does this sound? But 
a TikTok video of her envy-inducing antics has gone viral with more than 1.8 million views and thousands of gobsmacked comments. Speaking of which, the woman that bought the $26 million lottery ticket, that story also went viral, and that's such a shame. So, her name, Sarah Villard, she's 24. Her video was to the tune of Gnarls Barkley's 2006 hit Crazy, and it showed pictures of herself holding hands with a groom for hire, wearing a long white dress. So she went all the way to go hire a groom for this. She paid him, put on this really elaborate fake wedding, and the whole point of it was just to make her boyfriend jealous. That's it. That was the whole point of it. She said, yes, I'm single now, and I'm super happy about it. I'm just so happy to be able to focus on myself. That sounds about right for a 24-year-old girl who would go to no lengths unturned to get back at her her ex. That sounds about right for a 24-year-old crazy girl. Sound, sounds pretty accurate to me. But he found out through Instagram and texted her the next day, freaked out because he thought that she was cheating on on her or that he was cheating on her while they were together. She rented out Frankfurt's Villa Kennedy and rounded up her friends to play the role of bridesmaids. She posted pictures to Instagram because, you know, her ex is on Instagram. He would see it. The craziest thing is that she was satisfied with the results. She went through all of this and ultimately it, she she felt great about it in the end. And I'm not going to lie to you, lady. Does not seem like a good idea. Just don't do it. That doesn't sound good. It sounds petty as fuck. Let me know what you think about that. It is at Simulation Radio on everything. Leave a comment to what you think about this. Is this is this going a little bit too far? But at the same time, I know that if you're you're a jilted ex lover that's coming out of a relationship, then something like this at your base emotional instinct level probably feels pretty good, at least. So, sure you got your revenge. Sure you got your got your little your little backstab, but. How are you going to feel about this in one year, two year, two years, five years, ten years? How do you how, how do you think this is gonna this is gonna play the test of time? And I want to know what you guys think about this. It, does this sound reasonable to you? Does, is this a little bit petty? Is this something that uh, that would have felt good? Because users on social media are fucking roasting her over this. You've unlocked a new petty. Congratulations! Added one TikTok commenter. This level of dedication is either completely psychotic or absolutely genius. And that's a that's a pretty big level of polarity there. So let me know where you think this lies on the polarity scale. Leave a comment in the YouTube video or leave a comment on social media as well. It is at Simulation Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And also leave a YouTube comment on the recording of the YouTube video. Which, if you're listening to the recording of the YouTube video, by the way, let me... Uh, this is a great opportunity to go off on the plug tangent here. But if you're watching the recorded YouTube video of the show, then just know that on that same YouTube channel at 7 p.m. Eastern on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and also at 11 p.m. Eastern on Thursday night, you can watch the show live. That's right. This is live right now at this very moment at 7.54 on Monday evening. So if you're interested in joining the live show, you can chat. We'll talk about it. And you can also chat with other chatters, and some of those comments could make it onto the air. So if that is something that interests you, then uh, come come join the party. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was I on social media. 
Wow. Infotainment. You know, I think we have time to time to get to this one story because I teased it. A Maine police officer faked a report of a suspicious person so that he could leave a municipal meeting. And he's been fired for it. He he actually was not fired. He resigned last summer, but he has a do not rehire order. So local law enforcement will never hire this guy back. It was former Freiburg chief Joshua Potvin. He is no longer able to work in law enforcement again because he decided, you know what? I'm not really feeling the morning meeting this morning. And that's not an unreasonable feeling to have. I can tell you the amount of times that we've had a morning meeting that I know is only going to last 15 to 20 minutes, but either A, I've got so much work to do that day, or B, I just do not fucking feel like walking over there and standing and listening to all of the, the PR bullshit. But this main police officer decided, you know what, I'm not taking any more of that shit either, and I'm going to make up a fake police report in order to get out of this meeting. He resigned last summer in 2020 by texting a subordinate to have her call him before the meeting's public comment section. So what they would do is they would bring on a... There's a public comment section of the police meetings in the mornings. And this officer decided, you know what? I'm going to go over to the Freiburg Fairground. And what he did was he saw an employee of the fairgrounds just kind of walking around and that's when the gears start turning. That's when the gears start turning in your brain. You see that guy walking around and you think, you know what? I don't want to go back to the meeting. So what I can do is I can falsely claim that I'm responding to a suspicious person's report. He entered the worker's license plate, did all the process, started getting all the paperwork going, which the paperwork is everything in the police department, by the way. Even It even trumps the morning meeting, I'm sure. If you got to get police or if you got to get paperwork done, then that I'm sure that trumps all because paperwork is phew, the most important thing in our bureaucracy, ladies and gentlemen. The Maine Criminal Justice Academy decided to revoke his license in February after an investigation that was sparked by a police union complaint. The Academy's decision became public this month after he dropped an appeal in April, according to the news. He used his cruiser computer to make a fake dispatch entry. He actually created a whole case, filled out paperwork, did all that stuff. And, you know, when they call him back to the meeting, he's like, no, I'm I, I'm kind of busy. I saw this suspicious person at the fairground and we're going to have to deal with this. So that's 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 a creative way of getting out of the morning meeting. Unfortunately, he will no longer be able to be employed by the deploy by the deploy by the police department anymore. Let's do Reach for the Sky. Oh no, not my shit! Somebody do something! Reach for the Sky! Oh, oh no. no, Sheriff Woody! We got a couple more minutes, and of course, at the end of Simulation Radio Live, we do Reach for the Sky to kind of wind down a little bit from the day. And this is a perfect opportunity to wind down from the day because we've got three questions, five categories, actually, on randomquestionmaker.com. We've got candid, weird, icebreaker, creative, and funny. And I believe on Wednesday we went with weird. So let's see. we got two minutes. Let's, let's do a funny one for today. Let's do what's the dumbest thing you have ever cried about? Hmm, That's an interesting one. The dumbest thing that I've ever cried about. Honestly, okay. I've cried over 
definitely over entertainment before. I don't know what the most I don't know what the most recent one has been. The thing is, I think the thing that's made me cry the most recently was a piece of entertainment, but I just don't consume all that much like TV or movies or any of that stuff anymore because I'm I'm busy. I got I got a day job, I got this job, I've got other things doing it other things doing i got other vague things that i'm working working on that i cannot talk about on the air yet but i'm pretty sure that the last thing i cried about okay so what i did was i'm a very big fan of the original Yu-Gi-Oh anime now it's something that i grew up on it was basically the saturday morning cartoon about it and how the story of my my fandom of that comes into play here is Obviously, you're a little kid. You got Saturday morning cartoons to watch, and that was my favorite one. That, that's what I woke up every Saturday morning to watch. And later on in life, you know, after you grow up and you do all the teenage hormones and all that shit, I kind of rediscovered that a little bit. Except I would watch the the subbed version of it because when you watch anime, you can either watch the dubbed version of it, which are English voices over it. Or you can watch the Japanese subtitled version, which has the subtitles below it. And I don't even watch anime. I don't, I'm generally not a fan of anime at all. But I watched this growing up. And one of the things that I did recently was I had to go back and I had to watch the entire original series as, as God intended. In Japanese, with the Japanese voices, but with the English subtitles. And I did that recently. And one of the stories that really impacted me was the story of how the main character and how his partner kind of are drawn together throughout the uh, the series. And at the end of the series, they have to split apart. And, you know, spoiler alert, at the end of the series, they have to split apart. And when that has such an emotional impact on you, like when that that when a story like that captures your heart at a young age like that, then you're more prone to be emotionally reactive towards it. And I watched it. I watched the series again recently. And that ending scene even in Japanese, even having to read the subtitles, it, it still got me because you care about those characters, kind of. And, well, not kind of, but a lot. And everybody, I think, has this experience at the end of a show that they really like where maybe the ending is sad, maybe uh, you're just on that emotional ride. And wherever that emotional ride takes you, that is kind of what you're going to be on. And if it leads you to maybe accidentally cry, to be fair... Most people would not claim crying at entertainment as the dumbest thing to have cried about, but I, I think it kind of is. I it should be able to just, just keep it together during that time, but and it's very rare to have something like that get me like that. But it still did, probably because it was a childhood story that I got to to see the conclusion of recently, and you know it 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 got me. And that will be the show tonight. I will see everybody tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern, hopefully a little bit less distracted, and we'll have some fun. Bye.
everyone. I'll remember you all in therapy.